0: So let's just pray again. A gracious loving God, we give you thanks that we can be here today. We give you thanks that we are not ashamed of your gospel. We give you thanks that we have the power that is given by you. And we give you thanks, Lord, that we can come and study your holy word. So Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit be upon us now. Guiding my words and opening our hearts to your lead. I pray this in your holy name. Amen. Now I need to just recap where we've been going and what we're doing. Because this is week two in our series on the prophecies about the Messiah. So it's the prophecies about Jesus Christ. The one who came at Christmas time. We are looking into these prophecies. Because it's really important for us when we start to celebrate Christmas, when we actually start to have a look at what Christmas is about, we need to understand that the prophecies that talk to the Messiah are the prophecies that talk about Jesus. And so this week, we're going to be focusing upon how the Messiah, that is Jesus, was the rejected cornerstone Merla read the prophecy from Psalm 118 that talks of that. And so we're going to focus in on that. But what I want to do is I want to make sure that... And last week we, we had a, a little information session about what was the Messiah and what were prophecies. So I just need to just reiterate that just in case we've forgotten it or that we, you know, we missed last week's message. So the Messiah... And, you know, I won't make you feel bad because I won't ask questions of who is the Messiah and what is the Messiah. But the Messiah really, in, in its essence, in its very core, is actually the anointed one. The one with a special purpose that has been given. The anointed leader. You know, When we talked about the anointing, last week we talked about how it was about consecration being made special. Oil would be poured upon a person. And you know, if anybody's actually uh, watched The Crown, the, the TV series about um, Queen Elizabeth, you'll actually see at her coronation, they do an anointing, a special purpose to make, set them apart. And that's actually what you're talking about when we talk about the Messiah, the anointed one. But it's not just the process of Pouring oil on a person and setting them apart as special. It's actually God's spirit anointing and setting apart. It's actually above and beyond just our human things. It's more than just the leader. It's God's chosen one. is the Messiah that is going to bring the fulfillment of all the promises that God has made. So we're really up to speed on the Messiah, aren't we? And now, now we're going to have a look at the prophecies. So, so we all understand what prophecies are. Good. I'm glad at least somebody is so it's going yes. So since most of you said didn't say anything, I'm going to redo it. So we all know what it is. So prophecies are pretty much defined as, as miraculous knowledge. So in other words, so, some people are very smart and can predict future. You know, um, and just by looking at current events. And you know, believe it or not, there's actually a, a job that's called a futurist. Has anybody ever, ever met a futurist? Um, there's some people going, yes, I've met futurists. You're not sounding too happy about them. But, you know, the thing is that they look at current trends, they look at what's going on, and they try and predict what's going to happen. Now, I'm not talking about that. We're not talking about futurists, people that will predict on current trends. It's actually having knowledge that is above and beyond. Special knowledge that is given to an individual by God so that we may know the plans of God, but we also, and this is what I didn't say last week, and I was corrected for that, but also that we may correct our ways. See, prophecies are about future directions of what's going to happen, but also about correction of what is currently happening. And you'll notice that there are lots of prophecies in the Old Testament that talk about um, what is going to happen to Israel if they carry on in the way they're behaving. A correction. So when we see it, we've got the Messiah, the Chosen One of God. And we have the prophecies about what's going to happen. So when we're talking about the prophecies of the Messiah, we're talking about the special knowledge that has been given by God of God's special person that is anointed to bring fulfillment to all of the promises that God has made, bring fulfillment to all of the world, to bring everybody back into right relationship with our God. And that's what we're doing, and that's why it's so important before Christmas that we have a look at some of these. Now, as I said last time, we're not going to look at all 414 of them, we're only going to look at four. And this week's prophecy is one looking at how the Messiah will be rejected by the builders. The Messiah that is the cornerstone, and they talk about being the cornerstone, I'll explain that in a little bit. The cornerstone will be rejected. And what does that mean? So what I want to do is I just want to go into where it is in Psalm uh, 118 so we can just have a look at this. So the stone that the builders rejected, notice this, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. So in other words, the one that is like the foundational part at the corner of the buildings. I'll ask an architect in a minute about what a cornerstone is. Or if you really want to know, I'll have to ask Clive later afterwards exactly what a cornerstone does in ancient building techniques. Because modern day kind of things, cornerstones are very much ceremonial, aren't they? We, we, we stick them on a building and we, we engrave uh, words on them. But back in older times, they were actually much more important. But it, the Lord is... This is the Lord's doing and it is wonderful to see. So the stone that was rejected by the builders becomes the cornerstone and it's actually God's doing. And it's wonderful to see this. For this is the day that the Lord has made and we will rejoice and be glad in it. That is so important for us to actually understand that we will rejoice and be glad because God has created us, especially and wonderfully. And we can put our trust into Jesus Christ, into the Messiah, the cornerstone of our lives, the cornerstone of the church, the cornerstone of God's salvation for us. So let's have a look at this a little bit. You know, Psalm 118 is actually in a special set of psalms, from Psalm 113 to 118. And these are actually read at the conclusion of the Passover meal. And it praises God for the deliverance of Israel and praises for Israel's leader and the king. See, Israel was rejected in the sight of all its enemies but ultimately there will be a new leader. And this psalm demonstrates for us, this psalm prophesies about this future leader that the builders will reject. Now we actually have to understand what is meant by the builders. Because when we come into this, who is who are the builders? When we read through the psalm, you'll actually understand that the builders is actually a reference to the leaders of Israel. It's not just the people that build buildings, but they are the leaders of Israel. And they are the ones that is rejecting this stone. Now... The translation could, could mean either you know, the cornerstone of a building or the keystone of an, an arch of buildings. In other words, holding it all together. But it, overall, it's generally translated as cornerstone. So what is a cornerstone? I wanted to really get into that. What is a cornerstone for us? What, what is it? it it's it's a, actually it's, it's quite a large piece of masonry, isn't it? You say so? Generally, generally, if you're building a bigger building, you you actually need good foundations. Modern building techniques, you need good foundations so the walls don't splay off to the side and fall down and the weight of the roof collapses everything because the walls just push out. Now, what a cornerstone does is is it's placed at the corner, hence the name, at the edge of the building. And from that, the line is taken where the wall's going to go on both directions and we place them at the corners of the building. They also are a big, heavy stone that supports that corner. So it's the weight is being pushed into that stone. That stone is holding everything back and keeping everything upright and true. So it actually, the cornerstones are especially important in, in ancient building techniques. Now we dig big holes and drill things into the ground, but cornerstones what we do, what we need to have. And so when we look at this we're actually seeing. we take it from the physical and we realise that when they're talking about the, the person the Messiah is going to be rejected by the leaders the builders, the leaders of the time They will reject, you know, when people are building a wall, they'll look at the stones and they'll go, that's going to be good for here. Ones that aren't quite what they want, they will reject and toss away. Now we build our church upon the stone that the builders rejected, which is Christ, the Messiah. The builders rejected the cornerstone. And when we really look at it, we actually see that Jesus Christ is that one they rejected. It talks about how the religious leaders will treat Jesus when he comes. We, on this side of history, think it's really hard for us to to believe that that anybody would want to reject Jesus and his teachings. And who he really is, being the son of God. But yet, the builders did. Why? Why did they reject Jesus? Why did the religious leaders of those days reject who Jesus was? I think that's really important for us today to actually ask the question, not only back then, but why do we reject Jesus and not have him as our cornerstone? Why do we make our own plans rather than wanting to follow God's plan? See, I think back in those times that the religious leaders weren't looking for a baby to be born, but they were seeking a man who would lead them. They weren't looking for someone who would love all people, including tax collectors and prostitutes, but they wanted a person that was going to be good and upright, or it would uphold their own ideals, in other words, their own way of behaving, doing what they wanted. Now, so often when we look at And actually our lives, we see that we try and get people to confirm what we already believe and what we already want within our own lives. And so when we're looking for somebody to build our life upon, when we're looking for somebody to give us directions, we look for people that are going to just confirm us. And that's what the religious leaders were doing. They were looking for somebody that would just confirm their own ideals. And Jesus, the one who has prophesied, to come, the one who was prophesied to be rejected by those people, followed in God's way, not just obeying the laws that had been written by men, but following in God's way. They were looking for a powerful ruler, and they found a servant. So they did everything, and they rejected the one who was to be. See, Christ, is, Jesus Christ, is our cornerstone. See, let's have a look at how these are fulfilled, how this promise, how this prophecy found in in Psalm 118 is actually fulfilled in Scripture, in the Bible. And we're going to look at two, two passages. We're going to look at Luke. So we're going to actually look at um, one of the Gospels that is talking about what Christ is doing at that time. And so let's have a look at this. Now we need to... Need to see how the religious leaders are rejecting Jesus, and we, we actually need to understand this. So as we come into Christmas, we ourselves won't reject Jesus during this time as well. So Luke chapter 20, verses 17, and 18, verse 17 and 18 in chapter 20. And it says this: then Jesus looked at them and said, Then what does this scripture mean? The stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. Everyone who stumbles over that stone will be broken to pieces and it will crush anyone it falls upon. You notice how I was saying that it's a, a big stone and if it fell over on you, it would crush you. That's the kind of thing that it is. But what we need to realise that this passage comes after Jesus had been asked by the religious leaders about his own authority. So they're going, by whose authority are you doing all of these miracles? By whose authority are you preaching? And they were trying to trap him. They were trying to find out about him. And he goes on and asks them the, you know, the, the question, by whose authority did um, John the Baptist actually baptise him? And that kind of stumbled them because they said, well, um, if we said it was from God, then then we'd get in trouble by, why didn't we follow John the Baptist? And then if we said, it wasn't from God, that was just under his own doing, then we'd get in trouble from all the believers and followers of John the Baptist. And so they said nothing. So then Jesus told a parable then. He told a story about about a person, a, a, a farmer who had a vineyard and he sent his servants to find out what was happening in this vineyard. And those people who were looking after farming the vineyard you know, mistreated the servants and then finally the owner sent his son. And then the people working the vineyard said, if we kill the son, it will be ours. And they killed the son and there he is. An indication of what is going to happen with Jesus. And then he says this. Then he says this passage. He looked at them and said, What does this scripture mean? The stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. So he's just telling them about the one who's going to be killed, the farmers who were looking after that property, and killed the son of the owner and said, this is going to be the one that's rejected. He's talking about himself. Jesus is directly talking to the leaders and showing them that he is the owner's son and they are the farmers and they will kill him. He's talking about his own death on the cross. He is the stone that the builders will reject, the religious leaders of the time will reject. It's upon Jesus that everything in our church and our lives is built. I want to then share with you, going beyond what, what we just had, not just in, in the gospel, but also in Acts. Let's hear this section from Acts chapter 4, verses 8 through to 12. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of our people. Are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? So they were being questioned because they'd actually healed a crippled man in the name of Jesus. Do you want to know how he was healed? Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, the man you crucified but whom God raised from the dead. For Jesus is the one referred to in the scripture where it says the stone that you builders rejected has become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. What a wonderful statement of faith in Jesus Christ. What a wonderful statement and it's really in the face of those religious leaders. This is the Messiah. This is the one who was chosen. They knew this piece of scripture. They read it. Every year after Passover, they knew what was going to happen. It was burned into them. And here they are being told that the one they have rejected was Jesus. The one they had crucified is the Messiah, the cornerstone. Christ is the cornerstone, the one that we can build upon the one that we can make our life upon is a foundation of our life is Christ the foundation stone of your life are you building upon that foundation of Jesus or are you building upon some other kind of foundation are the walls of your life straight and in line with what Christ is offering us Or are we making our own way and choosing our own direction? Christ is indeed the cornerstone, the one who has been tested, the one who is precious, the one sure foundation. And those who will place their trust in Jesus will not be crushed, but will have life and life everlasting. So, what I do, I want to invite you to come and pray with me right now, if you want to place your life upon the foundation of Jesus Christ, if you want to place your life and say, yes, I want Christ in my life, I want Christ to be my cornerstone, the foundation of my life, I want to invite you to pray with me this prayer. So let's pray. Oh dear God, I need you. I am humbly calling out to you today I am tired of doing things my own way. Oh Lord, help me to start doing things your way. So I invite you into my life to be my Lord and my Saviour. O oh Lord, fill the emptiness in me with your Holy Spirit and make me whole. Lord, help me to trust you. Lord, help me to love you. Lord, help me to live for you. And Lord, help me to understand your grace, your mercy, and your peace. I thank you, Lord, for the saving grace that you've given us through Jesus Christ, your Son. Amen.